Thank you, God, that we are made in the image of Christ. Are you ready for the word this morning? Online, I hope you're ready. Go run, get notepads, get text, whatever it is that you need. Just get comfortable and get ready to hear the word from the Lord. It is my privilege to introduce today Olivia Amate, who has come, travelled a little while to come here today to be with us. And you know, Olivia has been such an encouragement to us at our church. You may recognise her from a couple of months ago. She featured on our screens at our Racial Justice Sunday. And so we're so pleased to have her here today. Just so you know, Olivia is the executive of Elim, executive director of our denomination. We're part of a Pentecostal movement. There is a bigger picture outside of our four walls that we're a part of. And so we're pleased to have her here. I've got the privilege to serve with Olivia on Elim's racial task force, which she's the chair of. But you know, the main reason Olivia is here is because she got here and she's like, well, you know, that stuff is just stuff. See, Olivia is a woman who understands that her identity is in Christ and that she's about Jesus and that's what she's about. So please would you put your hands together for Olivia today. Thank you. Thank you. Just give me a moment to settle for my fellow Jamaicans and to the others. Actually, I'm not Jamaican, but my parents are. I might as well be. <laughs> well, go on, everybody. Are you all right? Okay. Translated, hello, everyone. <laughs> Are you okay? It's a real privilege to serve. And, and just coming here to just being out, it's just, it just brings tears to my eyes. And I thank you so much. Thank you to Becky and Mike for inviting me to come today. So I've got a word for you. And as with the word of God, you have to be prepared for it. Because the word of God, although it comes to us, some of us are deaf, some of us it washes over us, it's sometimes only a few times that you hear what God has got to say. So my prayer this morning is that you will hear what God has to say to you. And everyone will probably hear it slightly differently, but it's still the word of God. It's rounded and it's grounded. So God bless you. So Father, I just thank you for this time. Thank you for those who are joining us online as well. Thank you that we are a wonderful people. Each and every one of us have our identity in you. And Lord, as we speak and as we share together in the next few moments, Father, would you bless each and every heart, all the hearers, Father, that would not just be hearers, but we'd be doers of your word as well. Amen. God bless you. So if you've got your Bibles, remember those, the paper ones. <laughs> If you've got an app, that's all right as well. Uh, we'll be sharing from um, Nehemiah, my favourite person, one of my favourite people in the Bible. Nehemiah, chapter one. Now, it's, it's a bit of a long reading, but I still prefer to read the word of God. I think it's really important because as you read, you get the context, you hear what God is saying to us. So starting from verse one, hopefully you've been able to find it. So go to Psalms, turn left. <laughs> Hopefully you've got it. You've probably not been in the Old Testament for a long time, right? Um, Nehemiah's prayer. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekaliah. In the month of Kislev in the 20th year, when I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. 
When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, and this is his prayer, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes opened to the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are faithful, I will scatter you. If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. He says, I was cut bare to the king. Just a little more. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine, gave it to the king. I'd not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Do, do, do. <laughs> now, you probably know the story from there. And that was a fairly long reading. But I'm going to unpack some things. And some of the things I will say, I'm probably um, not afraid to say, because um, being a black woman from a certain tradition, uh, born of Jamaican parents, um, I recognise, and those of you who are Jamaican know this, if you ask, does my bum look big in this, and it does look big, they will say it does look big. It's as simple as that, all right? You go to Jamaica and you hear lots of names of people who are the names ugly, Bigfoot, no good. Somebody's called salad because he only eats salad. They call things as it is and as they are. And I'm going to speak out as the Lord has given me that to do. Is that all right? So some of what I say will maybe verging on a little bit of the political, but I'm not going to shy away from that because I think it's important that we hear what God's word has to say about the things that trouble us. And it's so great to be in a place where there is so much multiculturalism and you're celebrating that. And I applaud the the work that Becky and Mike are doing. Becky serves with me on the Racial Justice Task Force, of which I've been privileged to to be uh, the, the, the person who's leading at this time until I hand it over to someone else. Kicking things off, you know, it's always a little bit difficult, isn't it? And you've heard what I do. Um, I work in, um, at Elim as their executive director, um, and that's great. Uh, first black woman to have done that. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but I didn't... Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's not, nothing to do with, hopefully, positive discrimination. 
I walked into that interview, and I'm telling you this as black women, black men out there, I walked into that interview knowing exactly who I was and knowing my talents and my gifts that I had. I was competing against, is it 14 other men, mostly white, in fact, all white, and, um, and I was the best person for the job. Okay, that's, that's simple enough. So, so that, that's it, and I know why I'm here. I'm here to do what sometimes people cannot do, but I'm here for this time in my calling, and I abide in that. And so that's a little uh, freebie for you, okay? That'll be £10 if you went to a psychiatrist. <laughs> but, uh, but for me, I'll give you that for free. So we're talking here about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a layman, just like you and I. He was an ordinary person. He had survived the exile. Israel, as you probably know before this, were scattered to the four corners of the earth. Some of them, a small remnant of them, had been allowed to go back to Jerusalem. And what a sorry state it was when they got there. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Jerusalem, but Jerusalem is on a hill. It sits, um, uh, it's got a walled city around it. And that's what they had then. You had a walled city, much like some of our cities in the UK were walled for a reason, for protection. But it was in a really sorry place. The walls had been broken and the gates were burned there were just in other words anyone could come in and out it's like you and I leaving our doors open our front doors and saying you know what come in and out if you want to that's fine whatever I have is yours basically that's how they were at that time but I want to talk about what did it take for Nehemiah to change that situation what was it that he did? Where did he find the courage? Even though he was in exile, he, even though he was in a secular position to do what God had asked him to do. And so the first thing was that he recognised injustice and he called it for what it is. He didn't gloss over it. In, in um, the, the verses that we read here, his brothers had come back and he questioned them about the Jewish remnant, this is verse 2, that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. He asked questions. Now, it was just over a year ago that you and I switched on our TVs and we saw something that I think brought tears to most of us, right? When we saw George Floyd dying in front of our very eyes. That brought tears to my eyes, I'm sure it did, for anybody, whether you were black or white, whatever persuasion you may be. And we recognised injustice for what it is and what it was then. Now, for many of us as black people, and I'm going to speak because you're not, if you're not black, then you understand where I'm coming from. You may not understand where I'm coming from. We had seen this before. This wasn't new to us, was it? We had seen this before. We had seen people, innocent black brothers and sisters who have been murdered or killed at the hands of so-called protectors of our society. And so when we saw this in the States, and I used to live in America, so I know what it's like, I, was, I, I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. But it did something. It sparked something. Now, whether you've subscribed to the Black Lives Matter or not, I have issues about some of that. Somehow, something sparked within the nation, not only in the US, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, wherever it was. People then suddenly thought, this is not right. This is injustice. Now, I know that there are other injustices. I know that. But I'm talking about racial injustice. Do you mind if I focus on that for, for, the, for the duration of this, moment, of this message? 
I could not, people could not understand why this has happened. And many of us were saying, I told you so. It was like, for me, when those three boys missed those penalties. Right? You know what I'm talking about recently. I knew instantly, my family and I said, we know exactly what's going to happen. And sure enough, it did. The injustice of race and racial prejudice is not great, but someone had to be sparked by it. And so it was great to see people all over the world saying, no more, no further. Let's put a question as to why this has happened. Now, I think many of us have been asking those questions for a long time. <laughs> we have. And some of us who are in our fifties <clears throat> uh, um, have been seeing this for, for, for a long time. But suddenly something sparked and we thought, this far and no further. But what it led to was asking questions, hard questions. Just like Nehemiah asked, he said, what happened? And they told him the true picture of what had happened in Jerusalem. Let's not be afraid to ask the hard questions or engage in the wicked issues. Because it's not the questions that we ask that matters. It's the answers. It's the responses that we give. Now, I don't know about you, um, and thank you so much for those who wanted to genuinely inquire, what's it like for you? I have never been invited to met so many forums in my life, honestly. I want you to come and tell me your story. I want you to tell me what it's like for you. What's the difficulty? Now, for many of us, we'd been there before. We told our stories many, many times. In fact, you only have to go and look in the prisons. You can see some of their stories right there, right? And it was hard to do that, but I was so grateful to churches like this one, like your pastors, who asked the questions. They weren't afraid to engage with the issues, unlike some places where they are, because they don't want to hear what's being said. They don't recognise the injustice. Nehemiah knew the why of the situation. That's our next thing, is to review the why. Now, I've got a picture there, and there's a, a, a sorry, back to the, uh, the tightrope. Asking the questions is hard. It's like balancing on a tightrope, walking across a huge building or two buildings high up off the ground. It's, it's hard. And for some of us, those of us who are, uh, are non-white, hard to give the answers <laughs> okay quiet but I know what you're thinking it's hard to give the answers because you don't want to offend neither do you want to be to be said oh here we go again they've got a chip on their shoulder I have no chips on my shoulders it's all in here and I need to run like join your running group all right <laughs> we have issues that we are trying to resolve but we want to do it because we recognise the importance of tackling injustice. So when Nehemiah reviewed the why, this is what his prayer resulted in. He talks and, and it goes on for some verses there about why, oh God of heaven, you know, I know what you've said. I'm paraphrasing now. I know what you've said. You said if we are faithful to you, we can have anything we want we are your people. We are called by your divine name. We are a theocracy. We are governed and we are ruled by you. But the minute we 
um, go against your covenant, something else happens. This is the consequence. So he knew why. He deployed the prophetic. He knew who they were called to be, but he also was pragmatic. He knew who, what they were called to do. It's all right being called to be a Christian. We know that. Many of you, like me, have had a salvation by God's grace. We thank God for what he's done. Some of it, we've been delivered from some really bad things, right? But God's grace has been good. And we sang that song, you know, you called my name and I came out of that grave. That's amazing. We've got a great story. But if, like when I was brought up in, in a certain church, all we do is hold the fort for I am coming, Jesus whispers still, hold the fort for I am coming. I don't know if any of you know that song. And then we wave the flag back to heaven, by thy grace we will. What that means is that we're just, we're just staying here. We're just clinging on for dear life until Jesus comes. What time's he coming? Right, I'm just holding on. God doesn't ask us to be that. He asks us to be prophetic, but also to be pragmatic. There are so many issues in our world. So many. Race is just one of them, but a big one. Something that's dear to my heart, obviously. Right? There are so many issues. But as Christians, we cannot shun being engaged with some of those things. We must not because we are here to be who God wants us to be and to do what he asks us and what he's moved in your heart to do. So thank you for that. Thank you. So reviewing the why is important, but also he moved on to the how. What do I need to do, Nehemiah's thinking? Now, Nehemiah's thinking, okay, now listen to this. This is what I love about Nehemiah. He heard the situation, he asked the questions, he heard the answers, then he went to God and then he prayed about it. And some of us would leave it right there, right? We've prayed about it. Send someone, Lord, that's fine. Send someone, Jesus, that's, that's, that's good, right? But what did Nehemiah do? Nehemiah then decided that, you know what? Could I be the answer to this prayer? Could I actually... I can imagine, it doesn't tell us that in the scriptures, and of course, I'm just paraphrasing this, but when I go to heaven, I'll ask him, all right? I want to know, what is it that moved you? Something moved him, because he sat down and he wept. He wept, because it moved him. These were his people who were being defiled. They were living in a place that was a sorry state. No walls, no gates, absolutely pray for them. It's like, just open your doors and let anybody come in. And then he thought, I, I can imagine as he prayed, God started to speak to him and into his life. And then he realised that actually I am the answer to that prayer. And I know who I can go. I've got favour. And he prayed, his prayer changed. He said, Lord, grant me favour. And then it says, I was cupbearer to the king, a very, very prestigious position, secular position. But if there's anyone who was going to be able to help him, it was someone in that high position. And some of us are in exactly the same position. It doesn't matter where you are. You are in a position to become the answer to the prayers that you are praying. You are the answer. Racial injustice, you're the answer. Your church is the answer to some of that. And I'll unpack that a little while, in a little bit. He said, I was very much afraid. <laughs> now, it was a sin to be unhappy in front of the king. 
All right, you go to the king, you put a smile on, here's your cup, here's your food, it's fine, and you're always happy. Something had changed his demeanor. Now, the courage to be sad in front of the king, that's, that's hard. Think about it, all right? Put a smile on, it's fine. I think Nehemiah thought to himself, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to let it show. He knew that the king would have asked him because he prayed about it, because he asked God for favor. And he said, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I love this. My favorite verse in the whole scripture. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, I was afraid, but. How many times, I'm not just talking about this. How many times have you truly been afraid, but you push against that fear, but you do it. And God always meets you right there in amazing ways. He does it. I was afraid, but. And in fact, he doesn't even say that. He says, I think he says, I was very much afraid. In other words, I was really, really scared. It's all there in the scriptures. Unpack it for yourselves. He knew that only God could do it. So he moved into the how. God had helped him to think, what can I do? But he starts with repentance. Moving into the how, repentance is always a good place to start. People don't talk about repentance, you see. Not very much nowadays. It's all, come to Jesus. It's all okay. Come. But actually, that's not what the word says. The word talks about repentance as being sorry for your sin. That means turning against the grade, turning, doing a 180 and going the opposite way to what you were before. Now, that puts you swimming against the tide once you repent. And we've all repented, for those of you who are Christians, we've repented of the things that we did that that caused God a lot of heartache and pain. And Nehemiah did exactly the same. But it starts with knowledge, isn't it? Repentance starts with knowing where I am. Not learning, not just saying sorry, but learning the lessons and doing a 180. It's interesting. And when we talk about specifically about racism, you know, it's not, it's, it's not just all right to just say sorry. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have read this book. We need to talk about race. It's, uh, you don't have to be an academic. And I know that some of these things can be really difficult. But some people wonder, well, well, what are we saying sorry for? It's not our fault. It's not our generation's fault. We didn't do it. And I know that. None of you here have got old-fashioned clothes on or in the 1880s. And I can't see any of my fellow black people out there being sold. But the issue, the issue is this. The issue is that there has been a legacy. There has been a legacy that has left some of us always being at the butt end of our society. That's got to change. Because sometimes it's for no other reason than the colour of your skin. I will go somewhere. I remember when I used to work in the NHS as a radiographer. And, I, and there's not very many radiographers. Okay, radiographers are people who do x-rays. I bet you all know that. Don't you? So, so um, you'd, you'd go in and I'd go into the theatre and people would automatically assume I was the cleaner. Why? Why would you assume that? I go into meetings even now and people assume that I'm someone other than I am simply because of the colour of my skin. But listen to what Mark uh, Ben Lindsay says. He says, the effects of slavery still reverberate in the UK and around the world today. In the 18th of August, 2018, a couple of years ago now, a few years ago, marked the 500-year anniversary at the beginning of the transatlantic slave trade. So we know that. And he went on to talk about 
the figures are frightening. Just before the, far, the start of the 20th century, the transatlantic slave trade was responsible for the enslavement of approximately 24 million African men, women and children. The impact of the slave trade on future generations has been catastrophic. And in fact, it was only in 2015 that we paid off the monies that, was, that were borrowed for that. So it's been catastrophic and it's been a legacy that has come down all this time. However, let me just say, that's, that's, that's great. It's great to have the knowledge, isn't it? And some people, and I'm talking about some black people, get stuck right there. And then they start to get the political thing going, right? And it's, right, we, unless we can do this and unless we can do that. Great, yes, get politically activated. But I, this is where I believe the church steps in. And I believe there's a glorious thing that's been mirrored even here today. Because 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace. You see, Nehemiah then went on to build the wall. He didn't build it without opposition. It was very hard for him because there's a couple of guys, Sambala and Tobiah, who just thought, you know what, we don't want this. We don't want this. And so there was opposition. And Nehemiah deployed various ways. Read the story for yourselves. Time would not allow him to do that. But I wanted to just sum up by looking at this. Mark 12, 30, 31. This is where I believe that the church just steps into the breach and mirrors something that's so beautiful. And that's why I love being in Elim. I love it because this church has a mandate to love God and to love people. Doesn't matter what you see, whether it's all black or white. Doesn't really matter really, I know from the people that I work with that they have a heart to see things change. And the mandate is summed up from this, Mark 12, 20, Mark 12, 30 to 31, it says this from the Passion. You are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with a passionate heart, from the depths of your soul, with every thought, with all your strength. This is the great and supreme command. And we could just end there and just go, yes, let's sing some lovely songs. But verse 31 says... And the second command is this. You must love your neighbour in the same way you love yourself. You will never find a greater command than these. Isn't that amazing? You see, if you love your neighbour, amazing things happen. You open the door to an amazing display of God's heart. Right at the very heart of things. Because it doesn't matter whether you're black, white, what gender you are, what gender you are becoming, <laughs> right? It, it doesn't matter about those things. I'm not talking about necessarily about the theology of it. Can you hear my heart here? I'm not talking about the thing. I'm not oh, oh, embracing everything. I'm just saying, when you love your neighbour, regardless of where they are, what colour, where they come from, amazing things happen, especially when... You've got favour in the eyes of God, like Nehemiah had. That's what's amazing to me. You counter fear, you counter criticism with just love. Now, you know, love is such a thing that everyone's, you oh, I love, I love, I love, I love. I mean, we, we, we hear it all the time, but I'm talking about the love of God. Now, is it easy to do? It's not easy. Because in many ways, the church has had perpetuated the problem for many, many years. But we now have a wonderful opportunity to become the solution, just like Nehemiah did. It's not enough for us just to pray and say, Lord, heal racial justice Sunday. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. We've, we've prayed one prayer 
uh, on that Sunday. It's not, it's more than that. And it comes from you, wherever you are, whatever sphere of influence you are in, whether you are in teaching or you're an engineer or you're a cleaner or whatever you work in the care industry, it doesn't matter. The point is you make a difference where you are because one, you stand up and call the issues out. If there is racism in your workplace, call it out. Call it out. Now, do it nicely. What we don't want you to do is to stand and with the placard outside, you know, close down this place. You know what I mean, right? Do it with wisdom. And if you don't know what to do, ask someone else for wisdom to do that. And God will grant you the way to be able to do that. Tolerate it for a while, simply because you are the person that God may be using to change that situation. But then invite them to church and say, come and come to my church. Come and see what multiculturalism looks like. Come and see people of every nation worshipping one God together. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? You see... You see, Martin Luther King Jr., I happen to be born on January the 15th, which is Martin Luther King's birthday. Yes. I have a dream. <laughs> I can't say it. I can never remember it. That's the only thing I can say. But Martin Luther King Jr., one day, must become our day one. Okay? One day, he said. One day. But this is our day one. All right? Or day one has begun for many of us Anyway. We can do this together because we are better together than we are as a unit. There's unity, not a unit. And I love that when Pentecost, we're not in Pentecost yet, but we, we're heading there, aren't we? In Acts 2, verses 1 to 21, when his spirit falls on lots of people in that room, all these people that were hiding in their room, shut the doors and the spirit of God comes like a mighty rushing wind and the people outside are going, what on earth is going on? People from all over the nations had come to Jerusalem and they heard what was going on there and some of them became impacted and some of them just said, oh they're drunk, you know they're worthless, good for nothing but how good, as Psalm 133 verse 1 tells us, how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity and not only do that but to start to build something to start to build because when we build we don't build for something to be torn down we build permanently because that's what God's kingdom is like we build and it stays (laughs) it's not like the walls come down you see there's no other foundation that can be laid Foundation's already laid, but how we build on that is important. So you as a church here, you know that you're better together. You know that God has done great things. And I thank you so much for inviting me here today. I'd love to see it mirrored in other churches or what I see here today. So let me just finish with this as we talk about rebuilding. What does Bob the Builder and President Obama have in common? Yes, we can. (laughs) all right yes we can can we build it yes we can can we mirror something that's poignant and that's different and that tells the world that these people are different because of the love of God yes we can can we do something where your leadership your worship team all the people that come in can see themselves reflected Yes, you can. You have become the forerunners of what lots of other churches wish they could do and become. So I applaud you for that. Thank you for all that you're doing. 
May God bless you and bless your endeavours. And thank you so much for inviting me today. God bless you.